Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is David Haldane. And before we get to David, here's a few announcements. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. And there you'll find stories that I've written, stories that some of the guests have written. You'll find pictures of our guests. You'll find links to their social media. And you'll find links to our social media. And that is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on X. We have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel. Subscribe on all those formats, please. And also... We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. Basically, anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you listen on those platforms, as most of you do, I ask that you please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show and it costs you nothing. But it boosts our presence there, and that's a cool thing for you to do. So I would appreciate that if you can do it. If you think you'd be right for the show, or maybe you know somebody who'd be right for the show, or you just want to write me and ask some questions about travel or anything else, or maybe you just want to tell me some awesome things about me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of reaching out to me, David Haldane's people reached out to me because he has a new book out. It's called A Tooth in My Popsicle and Other Ebulent Essays on Becoming Filipino. It's out now in paperback, audio, and digital formats. And it's all about David's experience at marrying a Filipino woman late in his life, moving to the Philippines and all the complications and culture shock that happens there. And it's an interesting and fun read about being an expat. And I've talked to a lot of expats on this show, as you know if you listen regularly. And I'm always interested in hearing their stories about picking up and moving to an entirely new culture. David is a longtime journalist. He wrote for many, many years on the Los Angeles Times. He's written a couple other books that we talk about as well. And he currently writes a weekly column called Expat Eye, which is in the Mindanao Gold Star Daily in the Philippines, which chronicles his life in the Philippines. And in this book, this new book, is basically a collection of those essays that he wrote for the paper. It was interesting hearing about David's particular take on this story because having traveled around places like Thailand and the Philippines and uh, throughout Asia or Costa Rica or whatever it is, you find a lot of, well, let's, I'll say it, the senior American gentlemen who find uh, love overseas. And we touch on it a little bit of how uh, it has its own risks. You know, there are websites out there, people get scammed, they get uh, money taken, or people just want to, to leave a bad situation. And yeah, the whole mail-order bride kind of thing. And, and we talk about that a little bit. You know, it has a bad connotation sometimes. And he talks about that. And when he told me uh, when we weren't rolling, uh, yeah, there was a little blowback uh, originally when he tells his, uh, you know, now-grown daughter from a previous relationship that, you know, I'm going to be marrying this younger uh, Filipino woman. You know, it's... <laughs> Uh, she was doubtful that it was for real and thought that maybe he was just getting scammed or whatever it was. But hey, they've been together now for, I think he said about 15 years, and now they have two kids, and uh, it's for real. And he splits his time now between the Philippines and a home in Joshua Tree, just a couple hours outside of L.A. 
So it's working out for everybody involved. So that's uh, that's cool. Which is a lesson for everybody out there looking for love. Don't limit your, <laughs> to just your the city that you live in or even the country. The internet can be a pretty amazing thing sometimes. Anyway, once again, the book is called A Tooth in My Popsicle. We'll have links to where you can buy the book and to his website, which is davidshaldane.com. H-A-L-D-A-N-E. And you can learn more about David and his journey right here in our conversation on the Travel Tales podcast. Please enjoy my chat with David Haldane. So how long have you lived in Joshua Tree? Well, uh, we've had the house here for about five years. Uh, but but this isn't where I spend most of my time. Uh, uh, we have another house in the Philippines uh, in Surigao City, a beautiful house overlooking the ocean, Surigao Strait. Uh, that's where my wife is from. And so we really spend most of our time there. But we come back once a year or so for a few months uh, or, you know, whenever required. So I'm here now till October and then I'll I think I'm going back October 17th or thereabouts. You actually you actually had some good timing there in uh, Joshua Tree because you bought like right before the pandemic. Oh god. Which uh it I had a friend who bought literally like a month before. Yeah. I mean his timing couldn't have been better because everybody wanted a place like 2 hours outside of every major yeah, city. Yeah, we we bought this place back in uh well let's see. It actually maybe it was a little longer than it was 2015 so it was a little longer than 5 years ago. And uh we bought it for a song. I mean it was like 100 and Eleven thousand dollars. Oh, you know, no. okay. it's worth five or six times that now. You know, I mean, we just it's really crazy, like, right? Yeah, it's nutty. It's. Uh, but I think I read an article about Joshua Tree in terms of like you know during the pandemic, a lot of people went out there. That's right. But they didn't realize um, there is a, a lot of extremes in terms of weather and everything else. Yeah. I mean, it can get like really hot, and then it gets really cold. Yeah. And there's a lot of wind. Well, it's the desert, you know? <laughs> it is the desert. They didn't realize it. it. It's the high desert, so it's not quite, it doesn't get quite as hot as it does like in Palm Springs, because we are high, high elevation, so we do have a little bit of breeze up here. But it gets hot. It's the desert. I mean, there's no, <laughs> no way to, you know, other way to say that. It's the desert. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of lizards and uh, little critters running around. Um, and I, I was never a real fan of the desert, you know, but uh, it's kind of grown on me now. I like it. I mean, uh, so we have our island house in the Philippines and then our desert house over here. And, you know, I, I don't think I'd like being here full time year round, but I do like coming back to visit. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. So if... Um uh, we'll get to the Philippines in a bit, but sure. I just wanted to uh, get your background a little bit. Sure. Uh, let's, first of all, talk about the book you just written. We'll get the plug out of the way. Okay. And talk about a couple of the other books that you've done. Okay. Um, well, the most recent book is called uh, A Tooth in My Popsicle and Other Abulient Essays uh, on Becoming Filipino. So it is about the Philippines. And uh, it's it's basically a collection of essays Based on, I write a weekly column, a, a newspaper column in the Philippines called uh, Expat Eye, and it's a column for a newspaper called Mindanao Gold Star Daily, which of course no one here has ever heard of. I had never heard of it, but over there it's you know a pretty well-known newspaper, and it's just uh, a weekly uh, 
a column about my take on life, but being an expat, it's really about what the Philippines looks like to me and what, what the experience of being an expat in the Philippines is like. And so the book is the first two years. It's based on the first two years of that column uh, that pretty much tells a story of, uh, you know, how my wife and I decided to go there, why, and, and my wife is Filipino, um, and, uh, and how we ended up there and what it was like uh, moving to a new country for, for the first couple of years, especially a third world country, very, very different from, the one, from what I was used to. So that's really what the book is about. And um, yeah. What were your uh, previous books? Previous books, I, I uh, published a memoir uh, in, let's see, 20, what year was that? I can't remember. Oh, 2015. <laughs> and that was called Nazis and Nudists. And that's really uh, a book about my, uh, my background in the counterculture of America and sort of making the transition from... Uh, I, I used to be a reporter for the... My first job was as a reporter for the Berkeley Barb, the well-known underground newspaper at Berkeley. I'm sure you've heard of it. And uh, <laughs> and then somehow I was one of the few that made the transition from doing that to mainstream journalism, eventually working for the Los Angeles Times for 23 years. So that book is really uh, about that whole journey, about um, coming through the counterculture and then uh, ending up in mainstream journalism. And it ends with meeting my wife, uh, uh, who's Filipino and who now, who we now have a house in the Philippines with? Was was your writing at the Times? Uh, was it uh, features? Was it about countercultural stuff? Or was mostly it all over features? The map? I was always my forte was always features, but um, of course, you know, in in uh, jur- journalism being what it is, I wrote a, I wrote all kinds of stories, and I was my, officially I was a general assignment reporter. For much of that time. Now, back in Berkeley, I wrote only features because they pretty much that's what they did. At the and I worked for several newspapers after that, ending up at the LA Times. And for the Times, I did a lot of features. Uh, I also covered breaking news. Um, I did a column for a while. You know, I did all kinds of things in 23 years. Uh, but features is, was always my first love, and it is today. <laughs> Yeah, great. So did you uh, meet your wife here or in the Philippines? Um, I met her online. Let me tell you about one other book before we go there. Oh, okay, go Um, ahead. And I also did another book uh, in uh, 2021 called Jenny on the Street, and that's a collection of short stories, uh, and uh, those mostly written... Years ago, as a very when I was a very young man, again in the counterculture, and you know had a very different take on life than I do now. So yeah. those are my three books. Um, I met my wife online uh, on a dating site called um, FilipinaHeart.com, and I've written a lot about that too. As a matter of fact, that the first book. Nazis and nudists goes into that whole story a lot about meeting online and you know going over to the Philippines to uh, meet her family and uh, it was pretty interesting me um, you know the first time we'd been talking for a while online and not 
you know, just kind of chatting. And after a few months, I went over to meet her. And um, we hadn't talked about making any commitment or anything like that. Or, you know, we were just meeting for the first time. And within an hour of our meeting, uh, she had me on a boat full of bananas, pigs and bananas, on the way to her home island, Shargao Island, to to visit mom and dad, you know, uh, to, to meet mom and dad. Now, this was in about, this was, she came, she comes from a very small, remote island and very traditional. So she wasn't going to do anything with me, you know, before I met mom and dad. So uh, we walked into her village. And at that point, I think that was around 2006, maybe. And at that time, they hadn't seen a lot of foreigners. So I walked into her little village, and I'm surrounded by all these little children, you know, saying, oh, wow, you know, want to <laughs> touch my skin and stuff. And we ended up in her living room with mom and dad and all the cousins and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters. And outside, it's probably 50 or 60 neighbors looking in, you know, like, oh, you know. It was the big interrogation. And the first thing her mom said to me was, so you want to marry my daughter, <laughs> which hadn't wasn't quite true then, although it it soon became true. And and I remember Ivy sitting next to me, kind of tensing up a little bit, like, uh oh, you know, here we go. Well, that was the beginning, right? So um, the I'm going to ask probably the question you get asked the most, uh, one of the questions you get asked the most. Some of these sites have a reputation of being, you know, borderline legal or not right, legal. Right. Uh, how do you weed through that for people who are maybe, you know, want to go online, do the same thing you do? Yeah. How did you, you know, filter it? That's a, that's a very good question. And, and I, I, get, I do get asked that a lot. And, um, and it's become much more of a phenomenon now than it was when I started back in 2003. And uh, so there's a lot more people doing it and also a lot more scammers on. So it's something you really have to have to watch out for. And my book goes into that a little bit. Um, you know, you just you, I mean, there's no there's no guarantee that you're not going to get scammed. There's no guarantee that you're not going to get fooled, fooled. But uh, what I did and suggest people do now is just ask lots of questions, talk a lot, you know, don't just uh, you know, and, and and take your time. You know, don't don't run over and uh, meet somebody that you've talked to three times. You know, talk to them over a period of time. Certainly, go and meet them finally. But even then, don't don't buy them a house. You know, the first week. <laughs> I hear right. these stories as affordable guys, as it is. Yeah, don't do it. I hear stories of these guys that you know they meet somebody online and they're all go, oh yeah, she's beautiful, and they go over there. And, you know, give them a bunch of money, buy them a house or whatever. And then the girl says, uh, okay, well, thank you. Nice meeting you. Bye, you know. And the thing is, in the Philippines, you know, you don't have a lot of uh, options. I mean, if you you can't legally own a, own property there unless you're married to, uh, married to a Filipina. So, um, so my advice is don't do much at all. And certainly not online. Don't be sending them money. You know, a lot of women will get on there, and, and and here's a big red flag: if you get on a, if you get online, you're talking to somebody, and and the and the second, first, second, or third conversation, she starts talking about you. Say, if you say how are you, and her response is well, not so good. 
you know. Well, the next right. thing she's going to say is, "Here comes the pitch." Yeah. Then then she says, "Well, you know, my my mother's sick. I need money for this. I need that. I can't pay my tuition. Whatever. That's a huge red flag. You know, run yeah. run the other way. <laughs> That's my advice." So what is, um, I, I know I've talked to some people here who have married, you know, foreign citizens from like uh, Thailand and, and Colombia and places like that. Yeah. It, you'd think it would be easy. Uh, my friend had a Brazilian wife, same thing. You'd think it would be easy for them to just, oh, now they're married, you have a green card, come on over. Yeah. It's, it's pretty complicated, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's very what, complicated. What was, what's the process for her? For bringing her Does over? She have a, yeah, does she have a green card or how does well, that work? She, well, now she's a U.S. citizen, but back okay. when we started, uh, no. I mean, you, it it is a, a long and complicated process. Uh, you have to apply for um, for a visa, and there are spouse visas and fiance visas. I brought her over on a fiance visa, and that means uh, you have to you have to apply for it. Um, you have to supply all kinds of, uh, you know, um, evidence that this is a real relationship, including you have to at least have been over there and met her at least once. You can't just meet somebody online and apply yeah. for it. Got to go over there. Lots of pictures, you know, letters, uh, you know, <laughs> pictures of you with her family, you know, the whole bit. Uh, and if you can demonstrate that it's a legitimate relationship, then you can get a fiancé visa, and usually the process takes eight or nine months at least. Now, this was some time ago. It might be longer now because I think after the during the pandemic, there there was quite a backup, and I don't know if, they're, if they've caught up yet or not. But, in fact, during the pandemic, everything was kind of put on hold. And, so uh, were, you, were you here during the pandemic or in the Philippines? Uh, both. Uh, we started in the Philippines. Um, and uh, it was quite an amazing experience. In fact, that's what my new book is about that I'm working on now, not published yet. Uh, it was the Philippines had one of the longest and strictest lockdowns in the world. And at one point, uh, I uh, I was not. I'm over 65. I was not. I could not leave the house literally. I mean, at all. We had. If you're under 16 or over 65. I think it was 65, maybe 62, couldn't leave the house. You know, um, one person per household got a pass. They could leave one time, a, once a day at a certain time to go get groceries. You know, that was it. Now, for me, it wasn't so bad because we have a nice big house there and beautiful view. I didn't really need to leave the house, you know. But it was uh, it was intense, you know. It was pretty, and, uh, you know, at some point... Uh, they would come and, uh, you know, they'd come and inspect, they'd come and knock on your door every, about once a week or so, a, a bunch of people in spacesuits would come and knock on your door and say, uh, you know, let me take your temperature. I mean, you know, it was no joke. So eventually, we came back here because um, the schools were showing no, we have, son, we have a, a, a son, now 12, and a daughter, 3. And the schools were showing no, over there were showing no signs at all of um, reopening. It was all online. When the school, And the schools here were beginning to come back. So we came back for that reason. It was a sacrifice because I really love the Philippines and we were a lot, we, I, I like being there. But we have a little house here as well in Josh Tree. So we came back for about a year and Isaac went to school here. And then we returned to the Philippines. Okay. So I'm going to 
when did you decide to like I'm packing up, I'm going? Did you have an apartment or something here in in the city? And uh, and um, I had a um, well. Let's see. We got married and oh yeah yeah. Actually, that's an interesting story. What 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 really I, I in we got married in 2008. Again, after this long process, uh, and uh, three months after she came over here, uh, I get laid off from the Los Angeles Times. You know, well, that's when the, you know the big crash happened. In that 08, was right, the, 2008, yeah. and I was one of the casualties. You know, I mean, I and I, I had a, up until then, I'd worked as a staff writer for 23 years, had a good income, and it was on that basis that I got her over here because you have to show, you know financial stability in fact my my editor even wrote me a letter to the ins to then called the ins saying uh david's job is stable you know blah 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 three months later she gets here i get laid off and i walk in not so stable yeah i walk in one day and my editor says let's take a walk oh no (laughs) that's never good news you don't want to take a walk no and so we're walking down this long hall and i had this this image of being at prison, you know, you've seen movies where they're taking somebody to be executed and they're walking down the hall and all the prisoners are knocking spoons and cups against the bars, you know. And I was thinking, this is that's it, man. Life is over, you know. And then I see we're going towards the HR. And it took me a long time to make it home that day because I didn't know how to tell my wife, my new wife, that, hey, you know, you came over here for a new life. But now the life is in jeopardy, you know. So that that was really when the seed was planted. It took us 10 years before we actually were able to do it. Um, and I got another job, at, you know, half the pay and twice the work. And, you know, and meanwhile, Ivy uh, started working eventually, too. But that was really when the seed was planted. And then we just started planning for it. We, I had a, a condo. Uh, we sold that or a townhome. We sold that and we moved to Josh Tree specifically because it was a lot cheaper up here and we wanted to maintain a presence here, but we couldn't afford to keep our house in Long Beach, you know. Oh, it was Long Beach, okay. Yeah, that was in Long Beach. So that's why we moved up to Josh Tree to kind of, uh, you know, prepare for that move, for the move to the Philippines. And plus, you know, newspapers in general. I started in newspapers yes. out of college, yeah. and, you know, the early... 90s and uh, those jobs are are gone. You gone know? So I remember That's right. I want to say around that time, around 2008, 2009, I shot well, something, that, you know, yeah. acting wise in a for a TV show, and we shot it in the LA Times old offices, really downtown LA, <laughs> yeah. in their old building because they had given up a few different floors. I mean, yeah, it was like that's right. It was like walking through a, a an abandoned film set That's which is right. what they were using it for you know they That's had to right. rent it out for film crews because it was oh you yeah know, for TV no you're right shows. newspapers are dead and uh and i think that uh i mean of course the big attraction of the philippines i mean at, at the time i was terrified because suddenly after 23 years i had no income i went through a big identity crisis like who am i, I was too too young to get social security or you know uh, and i thought god i'm not David Haldane of the Los Angeles Times. Who am I now? You know, what is this about? And that was when the the a big attraction of the Philippines, of course, is it, it, it's a lot cheaper to live there. And that oh, was yeah. that was when we started thinking about it. And my wife has a huge family there, lots of connections. You know. I got news for you. 
All the families are huge there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone, believe me, I worked on uh, I work on cruise ships a lot now, oh. doing stand up. So you know, most of the crew is Filipino. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so of course, knowing Tagalog would be uh, a great help to me on the on the ship. Yeah, they do have huge families, <laughs> and almost every family has somebody working abroad. You know, sending money home because unfortunately exactly. uh, the opportunities are not very. Uh, good in the Philippines, but the but we have the best possible world is which is we have a U.S. based income, but we spend it over there. Well, that's what I was going to ask in terms of uh, employment, and you as a foreigner, uh, what is the uh, employment visa, the work visa situation, or what is the. Um you know, do you have to open up a local bank account? Do yeah. you have to do all that, um, uh, all that well, stuff? Well, I'm, I'm a permanent resident. I have what's called a 13A visa. I'm not a citizen, but I'm the next best thing. I, it's like a green card here. So right. I can come and go as I want. Uh, uh, I, can, I don't have to have a round-trip ticket. You know, I can just come in. Um, but in order to get a 13A visa, you need to be married to a Philippine citizen, you know. So short of that... Uh, and and, and it, my visa also allows me to work, uh, you know, and have an income if I want. I haven't done much of that. Uh, mostly I, I have a pension from the L.A. Times and I have Social Security. My wife, who is now a U.S. citizen, is a, a certified uh, clinical laboratory scientist in California. So that's why we come back for a few months a year so she can do that. And that's very well, very well paying. Um but you know my my uh, social security is is and and pension is pretty adequate for living over there. You know, not so much Ooh. here, but over yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, it'd be, but we can afford a lifestyle there that you know. I mean, everyone thinks we're rich. You know, all the Filipinos oh, sure, think yeah. that we're rich, and really, by their standards, that's probably we true. Are. You know, we all are. Yeah, to them. that's right. That's right. Not by the standards here, by any means. So I'll give you my experience of the Philippines. I had only been there once, and I uh, went through Manila, and then we flew to Cebu. Uh-huh. And then we went to visit, me and a buddy of mine, we went to visit a friend of ours who was, uh, her mother was Filipino, and they were living in the, in uh, Negros Oriental. The, uh, yeah. I think I know to, uh, Why am I blanking on the name of her town? Um, anyway, okay. so I went there, and... Uh, we spent Christmas there, had the pig in the uh, Oh, the lechon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the big pig on the table. The big pig on the, yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> I and wrote then, about uh, that also in my uh, yeah. my first book, yeah. And then went to Boracay for a few days. Boracay. So that's my, that's my experience. Okay. But I do know that, uh, you know, Manila, Yeah. I think I'd seen enough of. Yeah, I'm um, not a fan of Manila myself. Uh, yeah, it's uh, chaotic. Yeah, it, it's, it's crowded. It's, the traffic is... Crazy, it's a third world city. You know? I mean, it is. It's just I mean, insane. I mean, uh, I, last time I was in Manila, I, I was there. I was doing an appearance uh, to, to talk about my book at a, I guess, at a high school or something. And literally, it took us three hours to get, you know, just, I mean, I don't even, seven miles or something. Oh, yeah. And we finally had to call them and say, I'm sorry, we're just not going to make it. They said, "Oh, traffic. Yep, traffic. Oh, okay. Never mind." Yeah, they know. <laughs> Our plane got delayed, and they had to. They said, "Okay, we got to put you up at a hotel for a night." Yeah. And yeah, the bus ride just from I think we were going like three miles. 
Yeah. It was over an hour. I mean, we, we couldn't believe it. We probably oh, could have walked terrible. it faster. It's terrible. <laughs> now, Cebu is better, and Cebu is, is a little better. Um, but really, I'm at this point in my life, I'm really not a city person We're anymore. Sure. You we know? grow out of them. And, and uh, my recommendation is if you go to the Philippines, go, go to the provinces. We live, we live in northern Mindanao in a place called Surigao City, the outskirts of Surigao. The province is called Surigao del Norte. And it's a small city, you know, and we don't live right in the city. We live kind of like in the outskirts on a hill overlooking the ocean. And um, it's a whole different life there. It's very different from Manila or Cebu or anywhere, you what? know. Dumaguete was the place I stayed. Dumaguete is nice. Yeah, I've been to New- yeah. Dumaguete. A lot of expats there. Yeah. Dumaguete is beautiful, and that's a that's a good place. It's a nice sized place, yeah. and, uh, and I believe there's a university there. Yes. That, yeah. Yeah. In fact, okay. I spoke there a couple of times. Uh, I did a book tour for my first book, and one okay. of the stops was Dumaguete. So that's when I was there. Nice place. So it's got to be at least a couple flights internally to get to where you are. Well, let's see. From to get to Dumaguete, yeah, we have to we'd have to fly to Cebu or better take a ferry. There's an overnight ferry between Surigao and Cebu, Oof, which wow. is a lot cheaper and you can sleep, but you know, but not <laughs> yeah. for everybody. I don't mind it. So you take the ferry to Cebu or you fly to Cebu and then you uh take another ferry to Dumaguete, I think, if I can recall. I think yeah, I think you have to go by boat. From Cebu. Okay, well, what was your travel experience in Asia before all this relationship happened? Had you been there much? I mean, did you no, know No, not about it? not Asia. I had traveled a lot in Europe and I lived in a lot of different places in Mexico. I lived in Mexico for a while. I lived in Germany for a while uh years ago. But I I don't think I'd even been to Asia. I think uh I think going to the Philippines was my first uh, first time in Southeast in in Asia at all. Wow. Yeah. What were you doing in Germany? Uh, what was I doing in Germany? Well, that's a whole other story. Oh, that's a different book? No. Well, it's a book that – it's a future book, you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was living in Berlin, and my mother was German. She was a German Holocaust survivor. And uh, this is a whole other and, – and, and I was I was kind of on a roots trip, you know, uh, finding my roots. This was way, way back, probably before you were born, back in 1970. Okay, so the wall was up still. The wall was still up, and uh, and it was a whole different different country. Now, just recently, I've been back there because, uh, and this is what my net, what an upcoming book is going to be about uh, down the road. Um, I, I've discovered a whole family in Germany that I never that I had no idea I had because the the family in the Holocaust was just pretty much torn apart. And they didn't know about each other. And some people survived that we didn't know survived. There were some, uh, my my grandfather, it turns out, had a child that nobody knew about. <laughs> then oh, until, right. until 100 years later, when, you know, the great, great grandchild of that child <laughs> said, hey, he was my grandfather. And everyone goes, oh, really? You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, and we dis- we discovered another relative who survived, had children, so they're still there. So I've got a whole family in Germany now that I'm exploring. You know, planning. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. What was uh, what was the Mexico? Mexico. Wow. 
I went to, uh, I studied in Mexico. I went to a place called, uh, I don't know if you know Mexico, uh, San Miguel de Allende. Yes, very popular. You know San Miguel. Yeah, there's a there's a, something there called Instituto Allende, a little college. And I, I studied there for about a year, creative writing. Uh, and again, it was kind of in my, and that again is, is covered in the first book, kind of in my wild and thorny youth, you know. Went off to Mexico uh-huh. to, you know, see what there was to see and, uh, you know, almost got stuck there. <laughs> Ran out of money in Mexico, <laughs> had no money to get back, you know, had to basically, you know, beg for money to come back up across the border. Almost didn't, they almost didn't let me. I went all the way down to Guatemala. They almost didn't even let me back into Mexico so I didn't have any money. Those were the old hippie <laughs> days, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like a... Uh... And there was a draft on, oh, so yeah. maybe the Mex- Mexico wasn't such a bad Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, I was there for about a year and uh, enjoyed it very much. And, uh, you know, I, now we just go down there occasionally to, to visit, you know, for sure. as tourists. But, yeah, it was. I have a thorny past, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's talk about being an expat in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. There's always – I talked to a lot of expats on this show and oh. there's always some cultural uh culture shock moments yeah yeah uh but what is uh, what was like some of the big ones that hit you first of all like oh man this is going to take some getting used to well you know it's interesting the philippines um the philippines has a a colonial past you know philippines was a, a u.s colony for 80 90 years and before that it was yeah. a spanish colony for for many years 300 years so there's still a little bit of a colonial mentality and uh, they tend to look at foreigners that way, especially white people, you know, and that, that took some getting used to, you know? Um, I mean, you know, we talk here, we talk about so-called white privilege, you know, Um, and over there, there really is white privilege, but it's kind of a complicated thing. I mean, the white privilege is they say, Hello, sir. They call you sir, and they're very deferential. On the other hand, if you go out with a bunch of Filipinos, you pay the You're bill. You're expected to pay. Yeah. yeah. You get yeah. stuck with the check. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's white privilege. You get to Yeah, hand it over money. to money bags over here. Yeah. And they just – they tend to look at you and, and – now, I mean, not, it's not quite as much like that for me now because I know a lot of people and you know, they know me. But when you first go over there, especially as strangers – they look at you and they see dollar signs, you know. And, right, right. Um, and that, how about things? Yeah, how about things like um, even simple things like we were in Dumaguete, the power went out for like I think a couple oh, days. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, like yeah. Brownouts. They're called brownouts. Yeah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, brownouts. That's also my book. In fact, there's a chapter in the latest book called Brownout. Um, it's uh, that takes some getting used to. Um, you know, you're you know everything's. You know, you, you just you're sitting there with your friends and having dinner or something, or you know, reading the newspaper if 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 there were still newspapers. Yeah. And suddenly, all doing a podcast, go, or you're watching your favorite, <laughs> you're watching a movie on TV, and then suddenly, all the lights go out. You know, um, and it takes some getting used to. We we have a generator now, so uh, so if it goes on for a while, we can turn on the generator. But that's diesel driven. That's expensive. You know. So we kind of wait until we really need it. Like the the worst thing about the brownouts is the air conditioning goes out. 
and then it's yeah. hot. It's very hot, you know. How are you dealing with humidity? I'm not, I don't deal with it as well as yeah. I get older. Well, the first, the first, for me, the first year or so, it was miserable, and then I just acclimated it. I don't even, I don't even notice it now. And I, I, I and, and talking about brownouts, let me say one other thing. I've noticed in California, we're having a few more brownouts now too <laughs> than than, yeah. than we used Texas to has a bunch of them. Yeah, so it's not it's it's. California is going to be more like the Philippines, you know. In the, well, in that how's respect. the um, – what about like have you hit any uh, – gotten any typhoons or hurricanes oh, or yes. anything like that? Oh, yes. Another subject covered in my book. Uh, well, actually more the new book. Um, yeah, we had a big typhoon uh, about two years ago called Typhoon Odette. Uh, we were here. And in the California, that was when we we came back. I told you during the pandemic, we came back for so our son could go to school. So we were thinking of, we were getting ready to go back to the Philippines. We're sitting here, and um, and this typhoon shows up, and and we're on the um, we were online with my when we're not there. My wife's fan, my wife's family lives there. Her sister and the kids, and in fact, when we are there, they live there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's a package deal, buddy. You're gonna you get a whole family. That, that's for sure, man. You know, and and if you're the if you're the foreigner, you end up supporting yeah. a lot of people. And you know, it's okay. It's okay because yeah. they take as long as you know what you're getting into. Yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, but it is a package deal. But so we're sitting here uh, talking to her sister uh, at our house in in uh, Surigao, and she's showing us, you know, about. The, the trees are going like this and, you know, and the wind's blowing and the rain's coming down. And she says, and then she says, oh, my God, the windows upstairs are broken and the wa- and water's pouring in. And then we lose the signal, you know, oh. for like a week. We didn't have no <laughs> idea, you know. We're going, oh, my God, what happened? What happened? And no, there's no news out of Surigao because the power went out. It ended up being out for like four months. And nobody knew four anything. Months? Yeah, four months. And then, Ooh. then about uh, about a week later, we start seeing things on Facebook where people are talking about what happened in Surigao. And because now they they met, there's no signal, but they've made videos and they've gone outside, managed to get out to send them. So we're watching this video uh, about um, our 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 barn guy, which is called Punta Bilar, and this guy is you know showing pictures of. You know all all this devastation, and then this voice in the background randomly says, "Wow, did you see that big house on the hill? It looks like its roof is gone." You know. Oh no! And Ivy and I look at each other. You know, <laughs> the guys are gonna go. I think that's our house, <laughs> and it was. So oh. we so it was confirmed. The how the the roof blew off. Half our furniture blew away. All the windows were broken major major damage and uh we just in fact we're still one reason my wife is working here in california right now for longer than usual is to pay for all the repairs that we've just finished you know we had had to put on new roof new ceilings new floors new furniture new windows new electrical new plumbing i mean it was a major major deal so that's another thing that's been you know and now after that, I never used to think about the weather that much. 
Yeah. Now after that, every time there's a little wind, I'm terrified. You know, it's like, <gasps> and, and oh, it's, sure. it seems like the the house rattles a lot more than it used to. You know, I think I'm mm-hmm. just hearing it a lot more. <laughs> when I'm upstairs and there's wind and the, and the house is going like that, I'm going, oh my god! You know, I can barely stand it. So that's been a big change for me. Well, there's a point in everybody, you know, a lot of Americans' lives. Where, like, I'm in my 50s now, yeah. you know, and uh, you start, you know, until you can reach uh, Medicare, yeah. you know, and uh, health care is like a big issue. Sure. It's the one thing that could really financially wipe you out here. For sure, yeah. So what is the uh, health care situation there as a foreigner? And did you have to buy into the program or yeah. are you covered? Or what, That's a very good work? question. I am on Medicare. But I can't use it in the Philippines. The closest I can use it uh, is in Guam. Uh, so it's a U.S. territory. Yeah, or which whatever. is a U.S. territory. Um, so if if I had a if I have I should say some sort of catastrophic event, you know, that's life threatening, I would probably, if I could, I would come back here to California, most likely. Or if I couldn't make it here, I would go to Guam. You know, but I'd rather come here. Now, short of that, um, uh, it's interesting. Um, there, you can buy insurance over there. It's called uh, PhilHealth. Uh, it's not great, but my experience in the Philippines is that the the routine care, short of something catastrophic, is uh, so inexpensive that it's about the same price as it would be here if you're covered. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I. You know, I and I've had, I've had a few run-ins. I mean, I I spent four days in the hospital for a really bad uh, uh, intestinal amoeba that I got from a bad piece of lettuce, and you know, a few things like that. Um, and I have to say, overall, I'm pretty happy. I've been pretty satisfied with the care over there. It's not bad. So you haven't gotten any like uh, minor surgeries, like a knee or a hip not, thing or anything. No, the the worst thing that happened to me was the amoeba. You know? Oh yeah, that sounds scary. I spent four days there, you know, kind of with everything rushing for both exits, you know, top and yeah. bottom oh, yeah. exit, and uh, that was no fun. But um, that the doctors are are pretty good, and I asked my wife. My wife is in the medical field, and I asked her why. What do you think about the doctors there compared to here? Because she works with with them over here. She says that. In the Philippines, they don't have the kind of technology they have here, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. The bad thing is you don't have the technology. The good thing is the doctors don't depend on the technology, you know. So they kind of know what they're doing, you know, and they tend to be a little more old-fashioned doctors who really know how to take care of you, you know. Um, That's been my experience. So I'm not unhappy there, but... You know, if I had to have major surgery, I'd probably come back here. How we, about we had a ba- I, I, let me just add one thing. We did uh, have the birth of a child there, so my wife had a baby in there, and that was in, and that was right in the middle of the pandemic. So that was pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, let's talk about like um, things you miss. Like when you're there, mm-hmm. I mean, what are the things that you go, boy? I could really, whether it's like food, whether it's like convenience, yeah. Uh, what do you miss? I, I think it's a convenience, probably. I mean, there's things you can get here. If you need something here, you walk over to Walmart and you get it, whatever it is. <laughs> right. You know, 
Over there, it's much more complicated, you know. Uh, first of all, you have to decide, do they have it? And oftentimes they don't, or at least you, not in your town. You gotta, you gotta drive three hours someplace to get it, or, or uh, you know, or or buy it online. I do that a lot. You know, I shop online, and they they do deliver things. But it, it's Amazon hard. gets to you. Well, barely. You know, it does. Okay. It, it, in fact, when we first got to the Philippines, no, they didn't deliver there. Now, in the last year or so, they've started to deliver there. Um, but it takes a long time, especially if you live out in the provinces like we do. It does show up eventually, but mm-hmm. you really have to. It's not here, not like here where you know the next day it's at your door, you know, or two days later. No, it takes three weeks, four weeks, you know, whatever, and you right. just never know. And um, and they have something over there called Lazada, which is sort of the Amazon equivalent. And that's they will deliver within a couple of weeks, and it's always cash on delivery, you know. So you don't pay up front; you pay cash. Of course, then you gotta then and they call you the day and say, "Hi, we're coming over to deliver your thing today." And then, of course, you have to make sure you have the cash. Oh, and that's another another issue over there: cash. I mean, everything's cash. They don't. Uh, I mean, more now than in the past. Some places are beginning to take cards, like hotels, some restaurants. But just generally, you need cash. You know, you, you got to you, – you, and so like when they deliver something to your house, if you don't have the cash, you got to run down to the ATM to get it, which in our case is 30 minutes away. And then, of course, you have to pray that the ATM is online that day, <laughs> which it often is not. And if it's not, then you have to go to the next ATM and you just make a tour of ATMs till you find one that's online. You know, that took right. some getting used to. Um, so it's, <laughs> well, it's just convenience, you know. Yeah. Well, I was also a thing about, uh, you know, people who go to another country that the big concern in a lot of places, usually the, the, the ratio goes the cheaper it is, the higher incidence of uh, – I say like political corruption or police yeah. corruption and that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Um, how would you, how was it there and, and what have you run into? There's a lot of corruption over there. And, uh, mm-hmm. and um, it's, uh, it's problematic. It's troubling. Now I have not personally been, well, let me, let me, let me say this. My wife owns some property on the beach in Shargo Island, which is uh you know, a beautiful island that kind of got discovered by tourists recently. It's a, it's a surfer's paradise, supposedly. Okay, we have a nice beach lot there, and and uh, and we uh, and we built a couple of cabins, and you know, which are not there anymore due to after the typhoon. But we'll just forget about that for a minute. But anyway, <laughs> we had this beautiful place. We're planning to develop it. We have cabins there, and the city. Uh, the municipality, as they call it there, one day just decides, oh, you know, this is a pretty good opportunity to make some money. So they just build a, a wall right across our property, cutting us off from the beach. And then they build restrooms on my wife's property on the beach, blocking not only our entrance to the beach, but our view of the beach. And then they build they build a little... Uh, booth and start collecting money charging people 50 pesos which is about a dollar per person to get onto my wife's beach you know oh um, man and and you'd think that that that's so 
blatant that you'd think that it would be obvious to everybody and that would it wouldn't they wouldn't get away with it but not true they do get away with it we we filed a lawsuit you know uh which has been going on now for like five or six years i think um and uh every and and we couldn't find a lawyer uh, we, 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 we looked for a lawyer in that area, but we couldn't find one that didn't have a conflict of interest that wasn't being represented by the, the mayor or, you know, had some conflict. So we had to go all the way to Manila to get a lawyer. So that means every time we have a hearing, we have to fly the lawyer down from Manila to Mindanao, put him up in a hotel for a couple of nights, pay all of his expenses and his fees Incredible amount of money, and believe me, we, more than once we said, "Is this really worth it?" You know, um, and I think that that's part of what they count on. You know, they count on on at some point we're just going to give up because we're going to run out of money, and that's almost happened. Now, finally, the case is concluded. We're waiting for the decision now, uh, and it should yeah. come any day. So frustrating. Yeah, and in the meantime, I mean, and you know, I told you about Typhoon Odette. The one good thing, Typhoon Odette knocked down our cabins, which was a real pain, but it also knocked down the wall that the city built. Okay. <laughs> so now, so now the question is, who's going to clean up the mess, right. you know? So now suddenly the city's saying, well, not our responsibility. It's not our property, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> when it was lucrative, it was their property. Now suddenly it's not, you know? So anyway, sure. it's complicated. And that kind of thing happens a lot. And the legal system... You know, it's meant to. I mean, I mean, I've had other experiences in which, which everything turned out fine and and it's fair. So it's not all bad. I'm not going to say that, but it's a little bit subject to. You never know if you're going to really get a fair deal. I mean, you know, we we had to change. Uh, in that case, we had to move to a different court at one point because we found out that the mayor of the town that we were suing was in tight with the clerk, you know, and with, with the uh, judge and was down there talking to the judge. So you just never know. It's all about money. And, uh, you know, most people are aware of it and most, and, and there's an effort to clean it up. And to some extent it is being cleaned up, but you just never know. How about the, um, in terms of crime and like street crime or something like that and, uh, just day to day life and yeah, yeah. I, How about that? I haven't experienced much of that. Um, I mean, I, I, I read stories about people being accosted and stuff like that. I personally have never, where we live in Surrey, I, th- I think that's more common in Manila and Cebu yeah. than it is out in the provinces, you know. Um, in my experience, most people uh, are kind and uh, good-hearted and, and welcoming. Now, of course, that said... There are a lot of poor people there, so you do get asked for money. There's a lot of people with their hands out, and uh, that's been, you know, that's hard to get used to. I mean, I I remember, you know, when I first got there, uh, somebody would ask me for money, uh, a kid, a child, and I'd give them money, and like 10 minutes later, there's 20 kids following me through the streets, you know, yeah. with their hands out, you know. So I, I learned to, to kind of temper that a little bit because, you know, it can be very awkward, you know. On the sure. other hand, I don't I, I help when I can, you know, but in general it's better, I think, to do it in an organized way, you know, than, than just hand people money on the street because that's problematic. Yeah. 
uh, I always, uh, this is my experience there. So the time I went, I was coming off traveling through Vietnam. Um, we went to South Korea. We went to Taiwan. And then from Taiwan over to, uh, to the Philippines. And yeah. what, I, what struck me is after traveling around a lot through Asia, they, uh, and I could be wrong about this, but it was like, it was interesting to go to a country where they actually seem to like America. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> um, true, yeah. Which is not the case in you anywhere know, else. a good half of the world. <laughs> Pretty much know, anywhere, um, anywhere else, yeah. yeah. So it was like, it was, it was, it, it was almost... Took me back. I had the same. It was like I, I, I was like, "Whoa, really?" Yeah. I mean, they were into it. Yeah. I mean, they they wanted to talk about you know. Oh yeah. Kept, who was president at the time? Yeah. I think it was Obama. Yeah. Uh, it was there was like an Obama bar? Yeah. At, that's right. <laughs> and then they had a Bush, a George Bush bar over yeah. there, and then they, they, they no, all I, loved the NBA. They all were wearing uh, Lakers jerseys. Right. It, it was it was amazing. Yeah, I have I had the same experience, same perception. They really do like Americans. They notice you. Uh, people still say, "Hey, Joe." Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, if you're white, especially, they assume you're American. Now, that's fine for me. Now, not everyone, you know, it, it's it's annoying for Europeans over there. Yeah. Who, who the, pe- the Filipinos just assume they're Americans, you know, and they say, no, no, I'm not American. Um, right. But, yeah, they do. They admire America. They, they like America still. Um, they feel a tremendous connection with Americans and with America. Um, and everyone has an opinion about America too, about, <laughs> about everybody does everywhere, everywhere. Opinion, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But as, does the, you think it comes, is that mostly bred out of world war two? I think, think so. I think a lot of it. Well, as I said, you know, uh, um, the Philippines was an American colony for a long time yeah. before world war two. And then of course, during World War II, they feel like we kind of uh, saved them, you know, from the Japanese. So I think that a lot of it is just from the history, you know. Um, yeah. Americans, interestingly, I, I didn't know this, but I've, I've learned it recently. Um, Amer- you know, the, when, the, when, the, when the Spanish uh, uh, owned the Philippines, um, their main import was priests and you know and 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 catholicism catholicism yeah. americans came around the turn of the century about 19 about 1898 when it when it came under american uh power they replaced the um the all the padres with teachers the main import of the of america was teachers to educate the people. And that's why so many Filipinos speak English. That's why almost all Filipinos speak English. In fact, English is one of the one of the official languages of the Philippines. The media much of the media is in English. Yeah. And uh, and so they so they really I think they feel a kinship with Americans, partly because of that, you know, America really educated them. And you know, some people just might see that as another aspect of colonialism but the filipinos you know for good or bad whatever it is yeah that's the way well that's how they get yeah that's how they get uh you know the requirement to work on the ships would is to uh you have to speak some english or working english that's right and that's how they get a lot of the gigs but uh it's hard work you know and i see them they're gone for 10 months they're away from their families it's it's and they're living in the bowels of the ship you know i'm up there in a guest cabin you know or or like a captain's room or whatever yeah you know. yeah 
Um, but they're, it's a hard life. And I'm so sure. they have to be able to, you know, you know, they have that, to be poor enough to take it. Basically. That's, that's an interesting point. Also, um, Filipinos abroad working on ships, working in the U.S. in hospitals, have a reputation for being the best workers, the hardest workers, the the best employees, you know, uh, because it's it's kind of in their, you know, but that's abroad. In the Philippines, not like that at all. In the Philippines, <laughs> oh, man, they take, they like long. Take their time. Oh, yeah. they take their time. They take siestas. They Fiesta, <laughs> you know, I mean, when we were building our house, I mean, we, we you know, we, we, we employed a crew of probably 11 or 12 people for like two or three years building this house. And sometimes Monday morning, nobody would be there, you know, they just wouldn't show up. And and I'd say, I we'd call the foreman and say, where is everybody? Is it a holiday? And they'd say, oh, well, you know, it was Fiesta yesterday and they're a bar guy and they drank yeah. a little too much, so... You know, Somebody had a wedding. Yeah, they were at a <laughs> the wedding. They before, just didn't yeah. feel like coming in. They'll come this week sometime, you know. And yeah. Later in the week, I mean, maybe Thursday or Friday, they show up. Um, you know, that was that was – talk about That's it, Jesse. That was very difficult for me to get used to. And even yeah, now, my, still, yeah. you know. My friend bought a uh, – tried to build a house in uh, Mexico. Yeah. And she had done house flipping, you know, in the U.S. and in the U.K. Yeah. beforehand and then got to Mexico. Just like Forget about something it. that would take six months here <laughs> yeah. took two years plus it, there. It you took know, us, that's it, the hard thing. It took us five years to build our house. I'm not kidding. Oh, God. And it should have oh, – wow. when, when we first hired the, constri- the, the engineer, he said, oh, maybe two years, a year and a half to two years. It took five years, man. And I and wow. and I it made me crazy. Every day I was going ah, and then finally <laughs> I just I I went with it, man. I just said this is it, you know. It, it ain't America, and I'm gonna go crazy unless I just get with the program here. So once you yeah. do that, once you make that mental adjustment, it's fine, you know. You just you just recognize that's the way it is. It's not. It's a different culture, but it takes some getting used to. Can I tell you my biggest disappointment sure. about the Philippines? And having come from uh, you know Thailand and Vietnam and Korea and all this amazing food, yeah. I was disappointed, man. Yeah. I was disappointed in, in the Philippines. There's a lot of fast food, yeah. a lot of greasy stuff, <laughs> greasy. a lot of uh, – and yeah. I've been going, how do you mess it up? You're surrounded by the greatest food I know. in the world, I know. right? There, there's China right there. There's Thailand. There's like all this stuff and just like how do you – Eating like fries all the time. I know. (laughs) I know. I've had. You're right. Uh, I feel the same way. Uh, It's not great. And I've had to. It should be so much better. Oh, for sure. And I've had to train my family, you know, Mm. to feed me salads and fruit and vegetables, you know. But it took a long time. They just didn't get it. You know, it's like, what? You want to eat green stuff? Leaves? You eat leaves, you know? But, but now they just, they still don't share it. They still think it's weird, but at least they take care of me. Yeah. But um, you think living on islands, they would eat more fish. This is like, why are you eating burgers? Yeah. (laughs) Well, in Surigao, they do eat a lot of fish, but um, uh, Surigao, they take a certain amount of pride in their seafood. And um, there's a big market. The first time I saw it. It's called the wet market, you know? Yeah. And the first time I saw it, oh, my God. I mean, there's all this squirming, you know, colorful, weird seafood. Now, I don't – I as it happens, I don't eat seafood, 
you know? Oh, wow. So it's, that is really weird to them. They think I'm total freak, you know, and sure. they, they were very concerned about when I first got married <laughs> to my wife, they were so concerned about me. They thought I was going to die, you know, and, <laughs> and one time uh, my wife, I had to stay with her parents for a few days because she was off somewhere and they said, they got very upset and they said, but what will we feed him? We have no food. Yeah. You know, they, they just don't get it. And, le- you know, leaves, eats leaves. What's that? You know, so that's one of those things where our influence, I think, was bad because they really we introduced them to fast food. And right. I think they really took that to heart. Yeah, you're right. McDonald's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Jollibee yeah. everywhere. Jollibee. You know? Yeah. And they, I noticed that like my friend who lived there showed me this. And she got a kick out of it. Like they love brightly colored food oh like yeah. the hot dog is just not a hot dog it's bright orange yeah that's right like the, that's the right. purple desserts the, <laughs> that's they very, like really that's weird, true that's a good brightest point. color food yeah you're right it's, hollow hollow and stuff oh hollow hollow yeah it shines <laughs> it kind of make kind of blinds you with its color what do you is there food that you miss the most and this is i'll tell you the number one answer i i asked this of americans and their number one answer is always mexican food mexican food <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I do I do miss Mexican food. Um Right. Good Mexican. There good Mexican food. Yeah. There are some Mexican restaurants beginning to be uh but they're nothing like the Mex like no. the restaurants in California. I mean they, they don't really get Mexican food, you know. No. They're, I've made that mistake overseas a number of times <laughs> yeah. and I don't Yeah. Yeah. And in Surigao, I don't even think there are any Mexican re- restaurants. There are a few in Cebu. But right. not great, you know, and they don't really, they don't quite get it. I mean, so, yeah, I miss they, Mexican food. Yeah. Have you picked up the language? Have you picked up Tagalog or, or they just automatically see you and start speaking English? Well, and you just uh, in, in, in Surigao, where I live, uh, the, the, main, the, the, the primary language is called Bizaya. And there are 70 languages in the Philippines, you know. Oh, Tagalog ha- is, is the national language, but only because... That's what they speak in Manila, and the president one day just declared that that was a national language. But my, my the people I know in um, in Surigao, uh, Tagalog is not their first language. You know, my wife speaks Bisaya number one, which in Surigao is called Surigaonan because every city has its own, or Cebuano if you're in Cebu. Every uh-huh. city has its own twist on it. And then she speaks Tagalog and she speaks English. Uh, now, does it? Am I getting? Am I picking up? Not very much, you know. I, <laughs> I am. Um, I actually wanted. I really wanted to learn Bisaya. I I even bought a course, an online course, and I started it. And it's like, you know, it just goes in one ear out the other. And I I think I did lessons one and two probably five times. And I wasn't getting any past it. Yeah. And finally, I just gave up in, in frustration. I'm not proud <laughs> of that. You know, uh, most people speak to me in English, but to be honest, a lot of the a lot of my family members, my wife's family members, do not speak English or not very well, and it's frustrating and uh, it's a it's a problem. You know, and sometimes they get right. very annoyed, but. I'm in their country, you know, so it's not, although, right. although I have to say they're in my house, you know, so. that's right. The, that's the Trump card you can play. What's the, uh, yeah, yeah that's you, right. You just want to know what they're, <laughs> you just want to know what they're saying about you in front of you, you know, and, like I, and not I even do behind frequently your back. interrupt them at, at dinner, you know, when they're all conversing, 
I frequently say, okay, everyone, tell me what you're saying. Translation, please. And there's right. usually one somebody there who can translate for me, but they won't do it unless I ask, you know. And of well, course, who knows if it's a real translation? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> other than the other than the fish that you won't eat, what's the craziest thing you had there that you to were eat? like, ooh, no, the, the yeah. craziest thing I didn't eat? <laughs> yeah, balut. You know what balut is? Oh yeah, that's like a Manila thing, right? Well, that's no, the, balut uh, is an egg it's with a chicken a, with the with a chicken in it. The, the chicken's still in it. Yeah. yeah it's like the bones and, and everything. Uh, oh, I've been offered gross. it many times, and uh, no thank you. You know? I, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think no, I would. No, I just can't quite bring myself to go there. And uh, they, you know, one thing I admire about Filipinos is they don't waste anything, you know? I mean, they really don't. Um, they, If it's edible, they can eat it. They will eat it. Not me, but they will, you know? Um <laughs> When I had my I had my seventieth uh, birthday party there a few years ago, a couple years ago, I'm telling you how old I am now. And, oh, okay. Um, and um, they brought up, and it started with a bunch of guys, a couple of guys walking up the walkway with a squealing pig in a sack, you know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, oh my god, you know. And they took yeah. it into the backyard and they pull out this big knife and they go, you know, slit its throat. <laughs> And I'm going, holy moly, you know. And then they put it on a spit, and that was what everybody ate. I eat that a little bit, and that's okay. I've kind of gotten used to it. Um, but I don't I don't eat a lot of the local food, actually. I've got them pretty well trained to feed me, you know, what I like. <laughs> yeah, So, you, but then when you tried to eat your salad, what happens? You get an intestinal yeah, exactly. parasite. Exactly. And that... <laughs> They went, see, see what happened? I know, I know, I know. And, it, and that was actually in a restaurant even, you know. Oh, went into a restaurant, ordered a salad, this delicious, you know, seductive little salad, you know. And, uh, oh, man, it just uh, it killed me. You th- was it from uh, not washing it or washing, washing it in bad water? I don't know. That's you a think? good question. It could be either. Uh, probably yeah, bad you water. Never know. Probably bad water because they do tend to wash things there, but you cannot drink the uh, tap water at all. Yeah, you know? and, yeah. and that's uh, tough sus- because you see just plastic bottles. That's right, everywhere. And I that's suspect tough. that they probably washed it in bad water. As a matter of fact, water is an issue there where we live. Yeah. We're not on the water line of the city because we're too far up up the hill. So we have to actually have a big tanker come about every three weeks and deliver water and fill our fill our our tank. You know, uh, you take it for granted, yeah. And then you when you really need it, that's yeah. right. I mean, just and this is just water for showering and bathing and yeah. stuff like that, not drinking. That's a whole other ball of wax. But yeah, you do not drink the tap water there, and that's probably what happened. I probably got some bad tap water. On the salad. Yeah, that was the toughest part about, you know, so many of these countries, and especially in Asia, uh, these amazing beaches. Oh, yeah. And then there'll be garbage all yeah. over yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a real problem. Like in Boracay, they, you know, because it was so touristy that they um, they made an effort to clean it up. Yeah. But then we went to other ones and just like, oh, this is pristine. And then just piles of... Uh, yeah. And uh, often it's... Plastic bottles. Yeah. It's probably the number that's one right. thing you would yeah, see. Yeah, that's right. Um, does the government recognize this and like make an effort? or I, I think they, so. Is I, it the it, people? Down in the provinces, I see uh, there's a lot of campaigns uh, in Surigao and around Surigao where the government will say, 
you know, they'll, they'll say clean up, you know, clean up the environment. Now, to what extent it actually happens, you know, who knows? But they are aware of it, and I and I it seems to be the consciousness of that seems to be increasing. I mean, uh, when I first got there some years ago, not so much. Now, more and more, they're becoming more aware of the environment. They also talk a little bit about climate change and all that stuff, you know. Uh, so it, it's it seems to be seeping in over there. How are the mosquitoes? I'm sorry. How are the mosquitoes? Mosquitoes. Um, I haven't had too much of a problem with them, you know. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, because our house is up on a hill and we have a nice breeze there. I don't notice them that much. Um, so okay, other people complain. Play uh, play tour guide here before we go. So for people who are thinking of visiting, okay, everybody knows the main spot. Like Boracay is super uh, popular, and you know there's the big cities. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> give us some places that you think. The travelers should really check okay, out. Okay, sure. First of all, I would say, uh, you know, of course, everyone, if you haven't been to the Philippines, you want to go to Manila and at least spend a few days there. As soon as you can, get the heck out of Manila. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? um, go to the provinces, you know. Um, 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 there's a beautiful place north of Manila called Baguio, which is a beautiful little city up in the hills. Uh terraced rice fields uh nice climate very mild climate not hot like the rest of the country because it's up high that's beautiful uh dumaguete is very nice and i like surigao down where i live and uh and i would say certainly boracay is worth seeing um but there are other islands that are less developed and less touristy that are just as beautiful or more beautiful um, and one of them near where I live is called Shargao Island. Uh, that's uh, where I told you where we had this where we have this problem with the municipality. Yeah, I hear there's a bad. I hear there's a wrecked wall there. I don't want to see. Yeah, that. that's right. But if you're a tourist, <laughs> it's it's pretty nice, and it's starting to come back now. And for a while, Shargao was giving Boracay a run for its money because if you recall, when Duterte was president, he shut down Boracay for like six or eight months because of the environmental concerns and mm-hmm. and it's let me just give you an aside here it's kind of funny because you know they have a, a, a law there that you're not supposed to build within i think it's 25 meters or something of the of the ocean you know that's that's public property and Barakai, one of the reasons they got shut down is that they had built a lot of uh, hotels and everything that went much closer than that that were not legal so duterte was kind of a stickler for the environment, whatever else you might say about him. And he shut down Barakai and said, we're not op- reopening until you guys get with the program. And uh, so they did. And um, Ivy and I went there right after it reopened. And the funniest thing I saw was you see these hotels. Apparently, they went through the island and they cut off the hotels at like the you know, the 25-meter mark, and you'd see these big buildings with open ends, you know, they just cut them off, open rooms, you know, because they just said, that's it, boom, you know, here's 25 like a lightsaber and boom. cut it in half. Yeah, and it was hilarious, oh, you know. But Shargao, uh, during that time, made a, this is before the pandemic, gave Barakai a run for its money. And it's a beautiful island, and I would recommend it. Um, How would you spell that? How do you spell it? S I A R G A O. 
Okay. Shargau. Cool. Not to be confused with Surigao, which is the city, S-U-R-I-G-A-O. Okay. Same problem. Okay. Shargau and oh, Surigao. Um, and, you know, uh, it's it's nice. I mean, of course, you know, we spend time there because that's where my wife is from. So we're very familiar with it. But there's a lot of nice resorts there and, um, you know, surfing and good environment. But Baraka is beautiful you, as well. What would you say is the best time of year to go? Oh, let's see. That's a um, probably – well, let's see. You know what? I don't – I would say – God, I'm not sure. When's the rainy season? I think the rainy season is like over in November. Oh, you know what? I'm going to pass I think on the that. Summer, I, okay. I'm trying to think. Like a lot of Asia, like the summer would usually be the rainy season. Sometimes. Yeah, I think probably in the fall maybe, September, October – it's a pretty good time, and uh, it's cheap, cheaper. The fares are cheaper. The, the fares are also yeah. cheaper in January and February. Uh, yeah, don't go Christmas and New Year's. Don't go You're Christmas, New Year's, but- yeah. And summer, uh, you know, is, is probably pretty rainy. But yeah. the rain's okay. I mean, I, I kind of like the rain because in our house, when it rains, it's like you've probably been in a torrential island rain. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything's fine, and then suddenly it's... <laughs> like that for about fifteen for about fifteen minutes and then it stops you know and it's like right. yeah. wow what was that I mean <laughs> I find it kind of, I it used to terrify me now I find it kind of comforting you know right the wind not so much you know the wind <laughs> I'm not a fan of the wind as much <laughs> well what do you think and and before we get wrap everything up yeah. first of all tell people where they can get the book and we'll have links to it as well on uh, on our site. Okay. Well, probably the best place to get it is on Amazon. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called A Tooth in My Popsicle. Uh, David Haldane. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, you can look it up. Uh, Amazon's a good place. Uh, you can also get it on uh, Barnes & Noble, I think. And... Um, uh, and on the, it's published by Black Rose Writing, and they also have it on their website. But Amazon's probably the best and easiest place because there's a, there's it's it's available now in paperback and also digital uh, ebook, and soon I hope in audio in audio as well. I'm working on an audio book, which I think okay. will be available soon. How about following you on social media or? Are you on Instagram? Um, yeah, I'm not active on Instagram. I'm very active on Facebook. Okay. Um, and you can find my name there. I think I, we included a link. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I run I, – I, um, I have a, my column. I post there regularly. Uh, I have a couple of pages. One of them is called uh, – just under my name. The other one is called um, – Author and columnist David Haldane, and there's another one called Expat Eye. That's the name of the column. My website is davidshaldane.com, and uh, you can see it there. Um, if uh, my my uh, weekly column, which uh, again is sort of the basis for this book and future books, um, you can find that uh, on my website or on Facebook. Uh, and of course, you can sign up. You can a free subscription, and then you'll get on my emailing email list, and I'll send it to you every week. Are you going to tell us the uh, tooth in the popsicle story, or uh, sure. buy the book? Sure, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> a lot of people ask about that. 
that's the name of one of the essays is Tooth in My Popsicle. And that that was because um, one day my wife and I went out to lunch and it was very hot and we had a frozen dessert, you know, like a popsicle. And I bit into, and she says, she says, David, don't bite into the popsicle. Just, you know, it's, it's too hard, you know, just, just <laughs> lick it, you know. And I said, no, no, no. Are you kidding? I want to feel the crunch. I'm not going to lick a popsicle. Right. You bite into it. So I bite into the popsicle and something hard is going crunch like that. And I said, oh my God, you know, there's something there. And I, and I put it, I spat it out and looked down on my plate and I said, there's a tooth in my popsicle. <laughs> and Ivy said, have you checked your mouth? <laughs> and I said, you know, and I said, oh, my God, it's my tooth, you know. But what's so weird is I had I didn't realize it was my tooth. I just thought it was. And I thought only in the Philippines, you know, they put yeah, a tooth in the damn tooth popsicle. Right in the popsicle, the nerve. Of course, you know, they just right there. So anyway, that that's about my that was my introduction to Philippine dentistry. Got it. And yeah. How is it, by the way? Well, you know, I found I finally <laughs> found a good dentist. The the dentist that time not so much. We went to the dentist and he said and first he said, Oh, you don't have to worry about it, don't worry about it, eventually you can get it fixed. But then he kinda figured he started changing his tune, you know, like, Well, really we should we should probably fix it right now. Like uh, you know, I could just pull that root right out, you know, and uh or we could, you know, he was uh, very anxious to fix it, and it made us very nervous, you know, like right. we thought, ah, never mind, although we did end up paying like a, tw- you know, 20 or 30 bucks just down on, on the treatment that we were never going to have just to get out of the office. But I <laughs> later went to another dentist, and it was better. But, you know, they like I said, if you're a foreigner, you know, they, see dollar they, just signs. Figure, they figure money's no object, man, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. – this guy's not going to worry about money. So that's one of the things. But, yeah, that was – so Tooth of My Popsicle is all about my uh, first experience with Philippine dentistry. <laughs> well, give us uh, – before we leave, I always ask this question. How has all this travel and, and living where you're living and um, your experiences, how has it changed you as a person? Cause, and you would see a lot in your life, you know, yeah. doing yeah. journalism and everything like that. How how has it affected you and the way you look at the world? How has it changed you? I think it's I think it's it's obviously really broadened my perspective a lot. And 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 I think probably the main thing, you know, when you're an American, certain things seem very important to you if you live in America and you get all caught up in this debate and that debate and you know and the the politics and and blah blah blah. I think what I and I and I did as well. I still do sometimes, but but I used to a lot more because now I realize that there's a whole other world out there that doesn't really care about all this stuff. You know, to them, I mean, who 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 becomes president or you know what yeah. the policy is, they don't really care. It doesn't really matter. They've got a whole other. They've got other concerns, yeah. and I think that's been really good for me to realize that. You know, just to to to, to lighten up. And America is not the center of the world. You know, we tend to think, you know, we're all brought up here to think, oh, America, greatest country in the world, the land of opportunity, land of freedom, you know, everything's better here, you know. Well, not necessarily. I mean, and I don't I don't deny 
the goodness that America has brought to the world. It's been a great country. But America is not the center of the world, and it's not the only place in the world, you know. There are many other places that have all kinds of things to offer that America doesn't have to offer, and America has things to offer that other places don't. But, you know, I no longer feel like living in America is the best, that America is the best country in the world, and we're all so privileged to live here, you know. it's yeah. The world's a big place, <laughs> and there's yeah, lots of all things that- going on. That old saying, like a billion Chinese don't care about your problems. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't care less. That's right. Uh, but David Haldane, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate thank you, you uh, spending time there in beautiful Joshua Tree. And we didn't even get to talk about Joshua Tree, but maybe oh, that's another That's another, another time. <laughs> yeah. Joshua Tree is uh, interesting. <laughs> we'll talk yeah, about it sometime. Absolutely. Tooth in my popsicle. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. David Haldane, everybody. Thank you.